all of the things that are related to that. A transformation, a change in direction, a change in foundations sometimes, a change of, oh, and then we get specific, because that's just the general stuff, like change of city, change of job, change of country, change of city again, change of house, change of house, change of house, change of house, change of house. I moved a lot for a little while. I lived with Ron and Nancy for a little while. I lived at another family's house for a little while. I lived in another family's house for a little while. I lived with my cousins, lived with my grandparents, lived with my cousins again. And almost all of those moves were with my family of six. My parents and my three siblings, we all did that for a little while. It's just a lot of moving and a lot of living out of a bag because the bag, it was a big bag. I mean, it's not like I had this garbage bag, it's a big bag. But I was like, well, we'll just keep life simple and be minimalist and it's easy to move. It was, it was really easy to move when everything you need for a whole year is in one big duffel bag. Costco size duffel bag. You could put a body in it, a small body, like my brother Mike when he was 10. He fit, no problem. How do you know this? Oh, cause he was 10 and I was not, that's how. <laughs> I'm the oldest and you know we can talk little brothers into a lot of things <laughs> um, so the thing is I really love that God in his nature is unchangeable because it seems like my life is not and my life keeps changing and there was there were long seasons where I would just be really frustrated with change in general or change in the specific thing that I was going through of being, I'm frustrated in this job, I need a new job. Well, I'm just gonna go find a new job. Okay, well, we'll, we'll do this job. Okay. And then other changes would be like, oh, we want you to help in children's church. And I'm like, okay, that's new. I'll try that for a while. Oh God, you know, does this, is this like a long-term calling? Could you please just lay this out? What am I gonna be doing for 20 years? Just tell me now. Right? No, he doesn't do that. But he shifts things. He provides opportunities. He changes some circumstances around us. Sometimes we get to know those changes, and sometimes we don't. Sometimes we get to be have a little finger in the change and be like, oh, I heard this was happening, or I had this feeling that it was happening, or I just have that nudge inside, oh, it's time for a shift. And sometimes it comes out of the blue. So about three weeks ago, in an industry I'm involved in, there came this big announcement from someone I really respect that said, we're gonna have this massive announcement. It's so big. We're gonna do it live streaming so everyone in the country can watch at the same time. And it will revolutionize your business. Uh. I heard it like, we're changing things. I hope you weren't comfortable. I hope you didn't like the way things were going because we're gonna change it. Oh, great. They're gonna change it again. I was doing really good at the way it was. Why are they changing it again? So, just so you know, this message is being personally walked out <laughs> today and yesterday and for the last couple of weeks and for a couple more days until this announcement happens because it's coming soon. And I think it's really funny that God has got this big church announcement coming up at the same time I have this business world announcement coming up. I'm like, oh God, you just really wanted me to undergo a lot of transition. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> so we're going to start with this. God's changes are good. That's right. He works everything for my good. Therefore, the changes that he brings into my life are good. That's right. 
when it's his decision that I move, then that's a good move. Yeah. If it's his decision that I need a new job, then that's a good move. It's a good job to get. If it's his decision that I have another baby, then that is a good thing. That, that's not hard. This is and the basic of the basis of all this is that God is good, and His changes are good changes. So I was looking in the Bible because if He's doing this in me, then clearly He's probably been doing it for a long time. So we looked for changes. Why does He change things? Well, let's start at the very beginning. He created the world. I don't know about you, but if you think about it, that's a big change. There was nothing, and then there was something. How often do we feel like we go through that? There was nothing and there was something. It's kind of like how dinner happens every night and I walk into the pantry and I say, there's nothing to eat. And an hour later, there's something to eat. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> but then God, it was God's idea to do the flood. And there went this whole world that we have really not a lot of idea because we can't see it today. And now we have this new world, the one we live in all the time. Now we have rainbows that come when it rains. Now we have continents and seas and you know things were broken up. And, and I have to only guess there were animals that we have no idea what they are because they're gone. That was God's idea. That was his change. He did it. A couple more examples are from King Saul in the Old Testament to King David. That whole country had to undergo that first peaceful transition of power. And I'm using that peaceful word loosely because it took a long time. There's a big transition from the anointed King Saul to the anointed King David. And then when David actually got to step into that anointing and, and walk in it and be the king, that took a while. Another big change was pretty obvious. It's Jesus. It's the bridge from the Old to the New Testament. Jesus finished the plan that began, and he began something completely new. All of the promises to the Israelites were completed. And with his life and death and resurrection, that launched an entirely new wave. And then we have the story of Paul in the New Testament, which is such a great detailed look at change, at transition, out of going from one person with a, this one nature of I'm persecuting Christians and I'm mad at this and I want life to be the way it is. He was probably one of those guys just like me. He was like, nope, this is the way it is and nothing is going to change that. We have our rules here. This is really predictable and all you guys who are breaking the rules, that's not cool. I'll take care of you. And then God had, we'll discuss this in a minute, but, and then he gets to become Paul. Paul, who is loving and gracious and patient. Like, hey, you guys, you know what? You don't got to follow all those rules. How did he go from this? Rules are good. You need to follow them. All of them. Not kidding. All of them. To this guy. You're good. You know what? There's grace for that. That's a big transition. So I tried to categorize these into two things. And what, what I saw was that we have foundational changes, like creation and the flood and Jesus. It completely changes the foundation of everything we live on in terms of the flood, literally what we're living on, and in terms of Jesus, what we're basing our life on. 
Then there are direction changes, like changes in leadership from Saul to David, um, from Saul to Paul, and Jesus changed the direction of what well, at that time had been the Jewish faith. And those who transitioned with him got to sort of walk that out and have a little bit of a slower transition. Okay, I, is it right or left? Okay. So first thing is a foundation change and then found direction changes. So we're gonna start with Saul. Saul was just a guy. In the Old Testament, back in um, 1 Samuel 10, he's just a guy, and, and he's going along his merry way, and he's going looking for some sheep or some donkeys, and he runs, and he decides, we're going to toss the prophet where these missing animals are, because they're really lost. So he must have been a very conscientious guy to think, oh, your prophet would know. So he goes and asks the prophet. And the prophet says, well, yeah, you're going to find your donkeys, but you're going to be anointed king. And I'm going to anoint you right now. And this is what's going to happen, is you're going to be transformed. And Saul's like, oh my gosh, that's really weird. But okay, he says, I'm going to find my animals. Oh my goodness. But then on the way back to town, everything that the prophet said happened. If you want to look for it, this is 1 Samuel 10, verse 9. And it says that God transformed his heart that very day. He went from being just a guy to walking in an anointing that must have been pretty new, pretty big for him because he goes from just a guy to a king really fast. See, there we go. Now we have our king Saul up there. He's not on fire. That's a crown. Or he has messy hair. It could go either way. And he did a pretty good job at being king. He ended up being king for 22 years until he wasn't following God's directions. And God said, okay, it's time for a change. You know, God said, time for a change. That's in 1 Samuel 13, 13. He said, we're going to make a change here. Someone else is going to be king now. It's not going to be you. From Then we have this guy. We have this guy, David. He's just a guy. Just a kid. Just a shepherd out in the field. And he's all good. He's like, what, 12, 13 years old. He knows how to play some instruments. He probably taught himself out there in the wilderness, out in the field. And then all of a sudden, it's like, he becomes David the Goliath killer. Well, how'd that happen? Well, he just kind of stepped into something he was already walking in, but now other people recognized it. Now, all of a sudden, he got this transition of, oh, now I'm living in the camp. Oh, now Saul knows my name. Oh, now he wants me to wear his armor. That's uncomfortable. He said it was uncomfortable. He said it didn't fit. But he ends up living there. I want, I, part of me wonders, who got the shepherd job after that? Because he was the youngest son. So they ran out of kids. So either there were girls we don't know about that became shepherdesses. <laughs> or they must have had servants. And then David becomes anointed king. But his process of transition took a long time. And it wasn't smooth. That wasn't easy. And he had to run away. And he had to hide. And he had to fight. And then he had to hide again. And then he had to fight again. And thanks to him, we have all these psalms. The psalms are the perfect picture of transition. <laughs> because he goes from bawling his eyes out to, I trust you. Over and over again. I love that God honors us 
but he still has a plan. He lets us mess up, and sometimes he picks us up and says, nope, we're going to put you back in the plan because you weren't going that direction. You know, David counted his nation when that was pretty much the only thing God said not to do. David messed up in other ways, but that was the one thing God said, hey, don't do that. Don't count your people. And David did it, and so God said, okay, we're going to bring some correction here. We're going to make sure we stay on track. And sometimes, I wonder if David was looking down the road and saying, all right, I'm going to be king, and then we're going to pass this down to my son, and it's going to be so cool. And then, you know, the word is that my line will be on the throne forever. If nothing changes, nothing will change. It's so nice when you're in that sweet spot of, of God's grace and the perfect time. You're like, all right, I see where we're going. And then some things happen along the way, and so God's like, yeah, but there's a why in the track that you can't see. And we're actually going to go this direction. Like, oh, I wish I, would, I wish I had known it. But if I, if I had known it, would I have grown? Would I have changed? Would I have undergone the transformation I, need to, I needed to go through? Probably not. This peaceful transfer of power, sort of peaceful, from Saul to David, took the whole nation through a change. They knew that Saul was on the way out. They knew he wasn't obeying God. If it's written in the Bible and the prophet was talking about it and the historians are talking about it, I'm going to believe that probably a lot of people knew that. Probably a lot of people knew that David was anointed to be king. Probably a lot of people were waiting for him to come in and be like, oh, can you fix this? Can you bring some peace or at least some sanity? And then a big foundational change was our transition from our Old Testament laws. And it was still God's idea. He started all the prophecies in the first place. He had all these messianic prophecy, prophecies all through the Old Testament. And it's his idea. We're going to bring Jesus. And he's going to fulfill them all. And then everyone is going to have this awesome experience. And it's going to be so cool. And he was probably waiting for a long time. It's a good thing he lives outside of time so that he wasn't actually waiting for a long time. He was just kind of waiting for us to catch up. We're like, all right, you guys, I'm bringing this baby. It's going to be so cool. And he's going to be cute and cuddly, and you're all going to fall in love with him. And then you just got to wait like 33 years to see this happen. Only 33 years. It's not a big deal. You guys can handle it. It'll be okay. And then we get this. And then we get forgiveness. And without the penance, without the offerings, without the going through and confessing our sins one by one to a priest and having him speak to God for us, no more. Now we can speak to God for ourselves. We can have relationship. It's amazing. So I want to give you some steps that... I found pretty consistent in the word, very consistent for me. How do we thrive? How can we thrive in the middle of the chaos, of the change, of the transformation that's happening within us or around us or sometimes to us? Oh, not going there. One more story. We have Saul. 
saw the guy, saw the Pharisees, saw the guy that loved rules and wanted everyone to follow the rules and was really upset by people not following the rules. We're not going to be, we're going to be preaching about grace. That is not in the, you know, that's not in the law. He had a very dramatic experience was knocked off his horse, knocked off his donkey, and he became blind, and he had to go find this guy while he was blind. And he had to undergo this transformation so drastic, he changed his name. I don't know about you, but sometimes looking back, I can see the process of salvation and encountering the Holy Spirit a lot like that. I didn't know what I didn't know. I was blind, but now I see. I was cold, but now I'm warm. I have undergone such a big transformation. And you guys all know, as an adult, I can look back just five years and be like, wow. I don't know if five years ago me would know me. I don't know if 10 years ago me would know me where I'm at now. If I had to meet myself again, other than the physical looks that haven't really changed, would I recognize what God has done? It's so cool. So one of the big processes of thriving in transition is to embrace the vision. Sometimes you get to know it. Sometimes you get to know we are moving. I've had a dream for five years now that we are going to move. Our house is probably 90% ready to go. 90% ready to be put on the market. But that last 10% is taking a really long time. <laughs> but it's easy to get back to work because I have a vision. Because it's been put on my wall. It's been put on my fridge. Habakkuk 2, 2 and 3, what I know Helen mentioned last week, says, the Lord answered me and said, record the vision and inscribe it on tablets that the one who reads it may run. I like the message version. It says, the one who's running by you can see it. That means you have to write it really big. For the vision is yet for the appointed time. Okay, God, well, I'm getting kind of tired of the appointed time. Could you tell me? Is it 30 days from now? at 60? When's this house going to be done? And really, when is the next house going to be ready for us? That's kind of a big concern, too, because I don't want to get stuck in between houses. But there are times when you can't see the vision. When you get that text, hey, we need to talk. Oh. Well, what about? Well, can you give me some context? Or do you just, oh, boy. That's that's a transition from we need to talk to knowing what we're talking about. From this announcement that I'm waiting on, oh, they say it like it's going to be a good thing, so I'm going to say it like it's going to be a good thing, too. <laughs> I'm really nervous about it, because I don't like it when you guys change stuff. But okay, I'm going to okay. That's not the same thing. Here's what I've been working on. Because God has taught me to embrace the vision as often as I possibly can. So embracing the vision means, okay, I trust you. God, I trust you. All your changes are good changes. So even if I'm not happy about this announcement, you bring good changes to me. You bring good things to me. So I'm going to trust you. So your vision is still for my good. What you have said is still for my good. I get to choose to be a part of it. And oh boy, I definitely want to be a part of it. If it's God's plan and it's my good, I'm in. Okay, okay, we're good. 
there's sometimes you do get to know the vision. Maybe it's your vision. Maybe it's your goal for, I'm going to run a half marathon. Yes. That's a great vision. But you know, when you're on mile 10, it really stinks. And that's why you need that vision to say, I'm going to finish the half marathon, not just run it. <laughs> not dropping out at mile 10. We need a vision. We always, always need a vision. Step two is, and these are not in order. Oh, this is very important. This is why you have a coloring page. Adventure is out there, okay? And sometimes the adventure, you can totally see the vision. He could see where he was going. He knew he was going to a waterfall. He knew he was going somewhere great. He knew it was something that was really passionate for his wife. We're going on an adventure. There's been a lot of times I knew I'm going on an adventure. And I think I know what the adventure is. But that brings me to the next step because it's embrace the season. Is this the season for adventure? Is this the season to plant? Or is this the season to harvest? Or do you ever feel in that, in your gut, in just how God speaks to you? I'm out of season. I'm out of sync. I want to launch this business, but it doesn't feel right. It's really important to pay attention to our seasons. Because God has a process for change. He's the author of change, therefore, he has a process. We see it everywhere. For a seed, the outer husk has to die. Or it decays and the root of the new plant will emerge. For a family, when a baby is coming, gives you a heads up. And you can see the season. You know it's coming, you have the vision, but you can also see the season happening. For farmers, they can see the changes in season from planting time to harvest time, planting time again. They can watch the weather. This is the wet and rainy season. These plants work well here. If I try and plant my tulips in April, they are not coming up. If I plant um, chrysanthemums, there are two kinds of chrysanthemums. Do you know there's spring blooming chrysanthemums? And there's fall blooming chrysanthemums. Well, goodness. Well, if you plant the wrong one at the wrong time and your expectation is chrysanthemums in April, you're not going to get it if you planted fall blooming chrysanthemums. Most people only know the fall blooming, but there's spring blooming. What if you, that was your goal? Well, that's not going to work, is it? We need to know our season. We need to know the right time to plant, the right time to do things. Around here, even in nature, just our natural senses tell us that the seasons change. We know right now, oh, if it dropped just five more degrees, it would snow. We know when it's fair time. We know when it's spring fair time. We know when it's summer. Around here, summer is unmistakable. But you can smell the fair food. If you live anywhere in the valley, you can smell fair food. You know, oh, the fair is coming. It's almost time. And as much as I thought our house would be done by now, it's not. I have to embrace the season we're in. The season is painting. The season is cleaning, filling holes, decluttering. That's the season. Oh, and these are not like in order. You kind of have to do them all, all the time. It's not, you move on from one, I embrace the vision, now I'm ready to embrace the season. No, it doesn't work that way. You, you just gotta do them all. 
and it's kind of in a circle. Oh, I did one, now I gotta do the other one. Okay, now we're gonna do this one. Okay, we're ready, here we go. The next thing to do is to expect his goodness. My favorite definition of hope is the joyful expectation of good. Romans 5.5, 5, such hope never disappoints because God, who, God's love has been abundantly poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. A lot of this is lay expectation, my, lay aside my expectations in the details. Oh man. Because often when God instigates a change and a transition in my life, I want to sort of micromanage it and get to the end and be like, oh, it's going to be so great. So here's a fun one I will share. When we moved to Europe 21 years ago, 20 years ago, I really thought, I'm going to live here forever. I am going to meet a guy, and we're going to get married, and I will raise my kids here, and it will be awesome. And I had this, I had this vision, right? I didn't ask God if that was his vision. It seemed like a good idea. It seemed like a great idea. But as the time went on and everything was like, oh, no, God's pretty clear. This is not his vision. Okay, got to lay down that one and just ask him, what is your expectation? What do I need to align my expectations with yours? Because it'll be a lot easier if I just have your expectations in the first place instead of my little detailed, oh, the house is going to have perfect wainscoting everywhere. It's going to have 17 dormer windows. It's not, it's not a problem to ask for what you want, but sometimes my expectation in details gets a little bit further than what he said. <laughs> it's better to have my expectations aligned with what he actually said. You're going to be fruitful. You're going to multiply. You're going to prosper. Okay, that's good. I can do that. Rehearse what God has already done. Where's all the changes he's already brought you through? And since everyone in this room is older than three years old, he has brought you through some changes. You have lost teeth. You have gained new teeth. You have grown up. You have, you're driving a car. Many of you, you've gone from printing to cursive to laptop. Think of even just our technology changes in the last five years. 10 years ago, who had a cell phone? 10 years ago, who had a smartphone? Oh, well, I mean, even this thing, I love it. I hate going a day without it. But 10 years ago, I didn't have it. I had to learn it. How many of you have made that jump from Windows to iPhone to Android? And you had to learn that whole new language that comes with operating a phone and you swear, I hate this. I just want to call somebody. But I have to tap 17 things to call somebody. Ah, I'll, I'll just give it up. I don't need technology. Forget it. It's not going to be. I, I'm just going to go back to the dark ages and have a landline. No. I know. Do they? But we've all made it. We've all made that transition. We're using, most of us, technology well. My kids, right? All of our kids, they're digital natives. They can usually use my phone better than I do. I usually have to ask them, where's the alarm clock in my phone? I need to set the alarm for tomorrow. I'm like, where's the map? I know how to get to Puyallup. I know I do. I've lived here not long enough. I know how to get to church. But where's the map in my phone so I can know the fastest way to get here so I'm not late? <laughs> and I need the kids. There's plenty of changes that God has brought you through. Anybody in this room? That's right. 
see anybody. I mean, we can go really basic. Moms, you all remember, would that baby just sleep through the night ever? <laughs> ever? And look around. Everybody in here sleeps through the night. Which means some mom somewhere was begging for that baby to sleep through the night. And look, we all do it. We did it. We grew up. We transitioned into sleeping. You know, of all those developmental changes that our kids go through, and then now on the other side, I'm like, oh my gosh, my mom probably had that same thought about me. Uh, will she ever brush her teeth without being prompted? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> will she ever drive safely and not stomp on the brake every time she sees a red light? Yes, I do. I learned that one. But how about this one? Will she ever just trust God in everything? I know we all want to say that and we all wish that for our kids. I just want them to trust God. I want them to know his voice. Well, that is a transition. It's a growth. It's something you have to do and you have to work at. And it's sometimes expecting his goodness. Sometimes it's embracing that season. God's speaking to me a different way right now. Sometimes it is the other one, which is now I have to look back in my notes. It is embracing the vision. God will talk to me. He will. He will. He talks to my parents. He talks to everybody I know. He'll talk to me too. I'm going to find his voice. I'm going to learn that one. And I'm going to expect that he's going to talk to me and he's going to say good things. In the New Testament, Jesus uses the example of wineskins to tell people that they're going to undergo a big change. And there's a lot of ways you can read this, but I was reading it the other night. And in Luke 5, 36 and 39, he says, No one tears a piece of cloth from an old garment and puts it from a new garment and puts it on an old one. Otherwise, you're tearing a new garment, and the piece from the new will not match the old one. This seems obvious. My kids have overalls. I wouldn't put a nice piece from something new to patch overalls. But no one puts new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins and be spilled out, and the skins will be ruined. New wine must be put into fresh wineskins. Now, I've always thought that, like, I am the wineskin. And I've heard it preached a couple of times, oh, the process to transitioning an old wineskin to be a whole new wine is you have to beat it to death. At least that's what I remember. Now, mom and dad, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's what I remember because I was probably 10 or 12 at the time. And I always thought, oh, I don't think they mean like beat us to death, but I think they mean soften us up and it's probably something about my heart. <laughs> I was a little kid. But in reading it again, I'm, I'm thinking it might actually be this old wineskin, new wineskin thing. It's really about our expectations and really about... Um, are we willing to change? Are we willing to go through something new? Are we willing to go on an adventure? I hope you are. Because it's coming whether you like it or not. Whether it's this one or another one, there's going to be an adventure. What you focus on will grow. And what you focus on will happen. So I'm going to focus on goodness. I'm going to focus on God's got me at every step of the way. I'm going to focus on this season. I'm going to focus on what he has said already. I'm going to focus on the vision. I'm going to focus on this because that's where I want to see growth. When we did the negativity fast last spring, my mindset had an incredible transformation. 21 days 
and I cannot tell you enough good things about what happened. There are issues I've known about, oh, I tend to be a pessimist. There are issues I've known about, oh, I don't really like change. I don't, I have trouble believing that God has good things for me. Those 21 days really just solidified a few things and transformed the way I think. So much so that it's now easy for me to expect goodness when so much of my life was, oh, it's better to have no expectations at all because then you can't be disappointed. That's not what he wants. He actually wants us to have expectations, but he wants us to have his expectations. Changes are occurring everywhere. We now create more in two days than all of mankind did in the previous 2,000 years. We create, we create, we create, we create. Changes everywhere. There's new developers working on so many things. There's scientists working on breakthroughs. We have artists making new art. Writers writing new things. What is God speaking to you about? Where are you going? In six months or three months? What is God saying about your life or your job or your family? Is he expanding your vision, maybe to include some things that weren't there before? And what about here? What is God doing here? We've been talking about the thriving life for a while. I've been talking about stepping into abundance as a lifestyle. And God seems to be honing in on a big direction change. It seems like we're, we're having our railroad track go around a bend that we weren't expecting. Or maybe there's a why in it. Depends on your vision. But God has been refining who we are. He's been refining who's here in our church. He's refined the flavor of the church. He has been refining the strengths of all these people here. He's been refining the strengths that we bring corporately and individually. But we are a place where you will find life. We aren't just your ordinary church. We aren't a generic church. We're a very unique church. God has put a mandate on us to launch people into your vision, what God has got going on for you, into all the things that he has purposed in your heart to do, to be encouraged. Come in here. Do come in here and get filled and get encouraged and then get ready to launch into that week because that's where God is using you. That's where God is using you to minister to coworkers or to kids or to your neighbors or to people around you. Maybe it's the people you drive next to in the commute. That's right. Maybe it is. Maybe that's who God wants you to be praying for. Maybe there's people in your cubicle or the next cubicle. Maybe there's people on the other end of the phone. That's your mission for that day. But this is a place where you get launched into that. We pour into people so that they can thrive and grow at all stages. We are growing kids that are growing in their faith. They're growing in character. They're growing in school. They're growing in becoming adults who will continue to grow. And a growing adult that thrives in every circumstance, in business, in relationships, in school, and in God. Isn't that what we all want anyway? So I wanna show you my favorite visual metaphor for transition. It's a space shuttle launch. 
Oh, so there's the three things. Embrace the vision. Embrace the season. Know the season you're in and expect his goodness. So before we hit play. Everyone involved in this goes through a lot of checklists. You can hear them counting down. Everyone is go. If there's anyone who says no, then they stop. But it's go, 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 go. But then the rockets fire. And for a second, it's hovering there with no supports at all. All the supports have backed away or fallen away. And then it's off. But this whole thing is a process. And these astronauts have gone through the exact same thing. They have to embrace the vision. One of my favorite movies is Apollo 13, and their vision was to go to the moon and collect rock samples. They didn't get there, and they had to change and transition to a new vision, which was get home alive. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes you think you're going someplace and God says, well, no, we're going to go home alive. Okay, that's a good one. These astronauts have to embrace the season, even though they're usually launching out of Florida. There's a lot of things they have to know. What are the winds doing? How's the humidity out there? Is this the right time? Can we, all, can we get them into space and then can we get our stuff back again? Is it going to fall in the right place in the world? They have to expect good things. The astronauts at this moment are in control of nothing. And they are sitting on rocket fuel. Built by the lowest bidder. When you think about it, like, why do we do that? And yet people do that. But the astronauts are not in control. They get to listen to everyone in mission control go through the checklist. Go, 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 go. And then that's it. Then they are blasting off. They literally don't have control over the rudder or their speed. They don't have a steering wheel up there. They just have to go. Later, they get controls and they have to do stuff up there and they will get back home again. But this is, there's this big team working together. And I'm so thankful God is my mission control. He's got all the goes. I don't have to do all that. I kind of partner with him in a few of those things, getting myself ready for the right season, getting myself ready for the vision, maybe growing in a few areas so that I can be ready when he says go. He's going to say go. And am I going to be there? I hope so. I plan so. So this is uncomfortable. And if you feel like you're sitting in that seat with all the rocket fuel underneath you and behind you, rumbling and on fire, welcome. You're in a good place. It's uncomfortable, but it's okay. That's just part of the transition. So we're going to watch this, and then I'd like to pray for everybody. So go ahead. Turn it up really loud. Nope. Nope, that's a laser. Okay, well now I went too far, so it's up to you guys. (laughs) 
This is why you have pictures of rocket ships. This is why you have pictures of adventure, of goals, of vision. This is why you all get to take home a coloring page. Because something up there, something in one of these seats is speaking to you about where you're at right now. Are you feeling like this rocket launch that's off the ground? Maybe you need to add a little vision out here. Here we go.
So we feel like, ah, I'm that astronaut just beginning and just putting on his helmet. Uh, but maybe for some of you, it's like, oh, we're blasting off and now the rocket fuel cells are dropping off and now it's just us. But no matter what it is, God's got it. It's not going to be hard. It might be challenging. We might grow. We might be stretched. But it's not going to be the end. It's not over. So I'd like to pray. And if you're going through a transition, if you are feeling that urge of the season is changing and I I need to make that jump, if you're feeling that it's time for a new vision, time to set some new goals, Father, I know that you've got good things for us and that every change that is your idea is a good change. So I just declare over this family and over this house that your changes are good changes. And for all of this week and for the weeks to come, that you'll remind us that your changes are good. You'll remind us to align our expectations with what you have said and with your expectations and what you want us to be prepared for. Help us to hear your voice and to embrace the season that we're in, if that's a preparation season or if that's a go season. If this is a I don't know what to do season, then bring clarity so we can find out. If this is the season of it's time to plant, then show us where our seeds are. But if this is the time to harvest, then show us where the harvest is. Help us to know the seeds that we have our hands on, whether they're spring seeds or fall seeds or summer seeds. More than anything, God, I ask for this whole body to transition well. That they would encounter all of the changes that you've got going on, daily changes and big changes and small changes, with confidence knowing that your changes are good and you never fail us. Amen. Thank Nikki for that amazing word. You know, the scripture says that uh, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Right? Well, here's a truth I want you to hear. I think it was right through all of what Nikki was sharing. But the truth is that God's working for your good. Do you hear that this morning? He's working for you. It, it, it doesn't matter what it feels like. You get that? How many have, have experienced that in your life where you like you go through something that doesn't feel good, but you, in, you, you learn later that it was for your good. It was good. Didn't feel good, but it's for good. So a tr- that truth can make us free to experience transition the way that it's supposed to be in our lives. Because when we, when we kind of have our head down and we're not looking at the truth, that is that he's working for our good, we end up looking at our circumstances a whole lot differently than we look at them when we recognize that he's in it, that he's working for good. Amen? So good. Thank you, Nikki.